air now. Okay. Do, 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 do. There's no way that's saying as the intro. <laughs> no. <laughs> We'd have to go through some trademark copyright shit if we if we were doing that anyway. Very true. Um, okay, welcome to the first inaugural. Okay, welcome to the inaugural episode of the House Money Radio Podcast. I'm Jesse Williamson with your co-host, Lucas Pierce. Hey, what's going on, mate? Uh, we have uh, first show here, basically just going to recap the finance market as well as the housing market that kind of brought us to where we are today, give an idea of where the housing market is at and where it came from. Uh, it'll be a, a quick episode just to kind of recap everything and give you a good baseline for where we're at. Yeah, you know, we might be, we might be a little bit more prepared, but uh, <laughs> we threw a charity golf tournament. Um, in name of this podcast to raise uh, to raise money for the Lookout Housing and Health Society. So now we've kind of been forced into action here. So this is a bit off the cuff, uh, but at least uh, maybe we can bring you some value. Who knows? Maybe it's stupid, but uh, that's kind of why we've been rushed into this. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. So without further ado, let's jump into the housing market. Maybe we'll start there. Uh, well, I mean, it would be a nice place to start the housing market. We could start with something completely unrelated. Yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> so, cat videos. <laughs> we uh, uh, basically just to run through kind of where we're at now. Um, we uh, are kind of in a what might be called a falling market. Uh, it's, prices are, you know, I, except for last month, we're seeing prices for the most part of the year just edging slightly, slightly downwards. Um, how we got here, basically, we're looking back as far as um, Expo 86 is where I'd like to start the, the trend from. Uh, the World Expo back in 86 basically saw a lot of new development in Vancouver. Wait, Jay, were you alive back then? I was just a consideration in my parents. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were just married that year, actually. So right, they're thinking enough. about me. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, X26, basically downtown Vancouver, or what is now Vancouver, Yaletown. Um, saw lots of rapid transit increases, new neighborhoods, uh, connected seawall. Uh, tons of investment in downtown and the surrounding areas. And uh, they also threw in a new stadium in BC Place. Uh, that industrial land and the CPR yard, uh, Canadian Pacific Railway, was turned into the expo site. Um, and then after Expo 86, uh, when the fair ended, the province of BC looked to sell that entire piece of property for redevelopment. Uh, this is always slated as one of the biggest turning points in uh, Vancouver's real estate history, as well as kind of looked towards as one of the main factors in seeing a lot of foreign investment and uh, immigration in Vancouver which is always cited as a big reason prices keep rising. Um, back in 88, this gentleman by the name of Lee Kaching from Hong Kong formed Concord Pacific and bought the expo site for $320 million. Oh, you were gonna say this gentleman named Jesse Williamson was born. Uh, yeah, also in 88, another news. Uh, in the 90s, I uh, looked through this, there was basically some somewhat loose immigration policies in Canada and some loopholes where Seems like people were able to come in to Quebec and then move across to BC, which was uh, cranking up immigration in Vancouver. Uh, and then 
You can fast forward to 2015. We saw a good run of housing prices um, after, I guess, the 08, 09 stock market crash in the States when the market was very, very slow. Uh, the market was still relatively slow from experience uh, until maybe 2015 uh, when the housing prices started to run up. Uh, detached homes were going crazy, seeing double-digit increases year over year. Uh, until the government started to get involved. The government wanted to enact some policies to see what they could do to curb demand or cool the market because communities were up in arms uh, from people that really couldn't afford or keep up with housing prices. Uh, so in 2016, July, I think end of July, we had the foreign buyers tax, which was a 15% tax above and beyond the property purchase transfer tax that apply to any foreign owners. It was July, yeah. It was July. End of July. I think it came into effect start of August. I know that because I had uh, one of the biggest listings of my career launch on the day that the uh, home buyer, foreign buyer tax came into place. And how did that turn out for you? Uh, locals bought it. Nice. But it was, um, yeah, it, it sucked. I thought I was going to be rich. I thought I was going to sell it in a week. Anyways, the, the foreign buyer tax came into play and basically curbed sales. Uh, everything died completely. I think when we sold that house, we were like the 12th sale in like a luxury home in, a, in several months because it did take me a couple months to sell that. So there was really, really low sales for the rest of 2016, but then 2017 came around. Uh, prices returned to where they were at before the bar a foreign buyer tax came into play. And prices started cruising again. Um, 2017 was 2016 when they came out with that first stress test. It was yeah, it was in 2016. So just for for uninsured mortgages, yeah. Okay, so they they were looking at the mortgage stress test in 2016, but that doesn't really come into play for housing prices so much until 2018. But 2017 um, condos started to climb in response to the high detached prices. Uh, a lot of buyers are looking at condos, so condos just started cruising up in price. Um, lots of multiple offers. Uh, sometimes we were in situations where there were 17, 20 offers. Uh, and you'd have to pay, I think in one case, we actually saw people paying 150000 over asking on a five, what was it, $600,000 property. Yeah, Jay, I remember you explaining a couple, couple scenarios when... Uh when you'd have multiple offers like that, 17 or so, when you were sitting down with some of your sellers, the, the stories you were telling me were, were too funny. You would uh, you'd print out all the offers, you know, you'd kind of look at them, you'd, you'd look at your client, you know, you'd be like, oh, this one's 10 grand over asking, crumple it up, throw it over your shoulder, <laughs> laugh, at your, laugh at your client. And then uh, you're like, this one's 20 grand over asking, crumple that one up, like, that's even worse, you'd eat that one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. There's <laughs> lots of situations where uh, you definitely look good as a listing agent because honestly, as soon as you put something on the market, as long as you price it in accordance with how the market is going, man, you're gonna get ten offers and sometimes twenty offers. And yeah, if you know fifteen, twenty grand over asking price, just looks like a joke. Better be making sure you're charging your phone at night, eh? Oh yeah, phone was always on full. The uh, so yeah, that was uh, the craze at twenty. Well, basically multiple offers were 2015, 16, 17. Um, and then it started to slow down, I guess, start of 2018 
when the mortgage stress test came in at full force for all mortgages. Um, and then, yeah, ever since then we've seen buyers with less purchasing power, uh, not able to get the properties they want. People look at taking a wait and see approach and uh, takes us into today. We've had lots of people on the sidelines for a while. Last month we had a really good month of sales, uh, being July. Um, a lot of people coming off the sidelines to look at purchasing property and uh, you know, it might be a good outlook based on what we saw last month, but as we know, one month does not make a trend. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, well, that was that was informative. Jay, you really, you really detailed that going back uh, quite historically. That was nice. Um, so if you guys haven't figured out by now, Jesse's the, the real estate guru um, here, whereas my expertise is more in the in the mortgage industry. Um, I know we neglected to say that at the start, so you might have just been wondering who are these two random guys spelling off about real estate, but uh, he's, the, he's the real estate guy, I'm the mortgage guy. Um, and I'm gonna basically take you through the same type of deal, a little historical analysis of the, of the mortgage industry. Not gonna go back as far as Jesse, kinda just wanna take you from, from before 2008 um, up until up until now where believe it or not there's been over 60 housing financial restrictions since 2008 hence why you can guess before 2008 there might have been some some issues when it came to when it came to lending hence why the the, the market kind of kind of went south on us there because effectively before that I mean if any of you have seen the movie the big short it's not far off what what was actually happening. You know, you didn't really need any documentation to get a mortgage. People could just tell you, I make X amount of dollars. The application went in. There was no verification and boom, money was released. You're basically lending money to people who say they have X, but really they have Y. Next thing you know, they can't pay for anything. And this happened over and over and over again. And boom, watch The Big Short. It's a great educational film. Matthew McConaughey is in it. Thing. Is he in it? Have you seen it? Dude, it's uh, Michael Scott. Oh, uh, it's Michael Scott, but the guy the guy who who noticed it, the investors. Ryan Gosling. That is Ryan Gosling. That's not McConaughey. Wow. It's okay. That's alright. That's alright. But anyway, that's so that's kind of what was going on pre-2008. And then the very first thing, well not the very first thing, one of the first major things that was changed was amortization periods you know the period at by which a lender will spread over your debt to keep your payments down and use for qualification so that was shortened from 40 years to to 35 years Wait, when was that that was in 2008 okay go on um and again amortization is a theme that uh, that we'll see on this on this podcast i think it's i think it affects affordability more than more than the stress test, more than any of that type of stuff does. I think it flies under the radar. Um, so it'll be a common theme here. And then again, from 2008, like I mentioned, there's been over 60 housing financial restrictions, amortization being one of them. Three times the um, Department, is Department of Finance has lowered the amortization periods. In 2011, they shortened it from 35 to 30. And then again, in 2012, they shortened it from 30 to 25 on insured mortgages. Basically what that means is if you're taking an insured mortgage, that being a 
mortgage where you put less than 20% down on a property, one, you have to carry insurance, but two, you have to amortize your debt over 25 years. You cannot amortize it over 30 years, whereas when you put 20% down, you're afforded the luxury of amortizing your debt over 30 years, plus also not having to carry insurance. And the point being made with that is that, yes, you see about the stress test, oh, it's affecting qualification, oh, it's affecting X, Y, and Z, but by lowering amortization periods to 25 years for, for example, first time home buyers, where maybe they're getting some help with a down payment, maybe they're getting a co-signer, their affordability is not an issue, they, they qualify, everything's great, the stress test has affected them, but not so much so that they can't afford something. But then you turn around to these first time home buyers who now have monthly payments of a steeper amount because their amortization has been shortened to 25 years versus 30 years, they look and go, well, I can't afford that. And now whoever they're getting their down payment from or having a co-sign, they're not helping with those payments. So they go, well, I just can't afford this. And so that affects affordability. People go, well, I don't, I can't purchase now. And so you see all these things with qualification and the stress test. When in fact, affordability is affected by amortization quite a bit more than, than the stress test. The stress test is really just a qualification issue, whereas affordability comes down to amortization reductions. And so that again is a common theme that you'll, you'll hear me talking about. Whether or not that changes, I know there's been some um, lobbying from the three major insurers, CMHC, Genworth, Canada Guarantee, to um, regulatory bodies to increase the amortization on insured mortgages um, to 30 years because those are obviously the the bodies that are affected the, the insurers because you only need insurance on insurable mortgage insured mortgages that being mortgages with less than 20% down so that's one piece of one area I should say over the last 10 years that has affected affordability those are three dates of 60 since 2008 that have affected affordability. Other things like Jesse was saying, you know, the stress test coming in, which came in in 2016 originally and then came in in 2018 for conventional mortgages, that being 20% down. Other things just, you know, how much loan to value you can borrow changed. Um, your debt servicing ratios changed. Um, credit scores changed, you know. Again, going back to my initial conversation, watching um, the movie The Big Short, right? Like, credit scores weren't even a thing. It was just kind of like, oh, whatever. People would lend money and not even checking credit. It didn't matter. Now, like, since 2008, you know, 650 was seen as the norm for a credit score. It moved to 680. And even nowadays, in 2019, you're seeing lenders like to see a, see a good 700. It doesn't mean you're not going to be getting a mortgage if you have a credit score under 700. But it's just kind of the going trend. It's like, okay, you got 700. That's kind of your lock. Um, whereas if you have, you know, a 650 credit score, they're going to be looking at things like um, your down payment and your debts, right? So all of these things combined, you know, try to curb what what happened in 2008, which was basically wrapping like ridiculous circumstances on top of one another to suggest that these are these are a clients when in reality you've you've not done that and you're giving money to people who actually can't can't afford it. Um, so as much. As we see people complain about these things coming into a, to affect their 
in reality, there needs to be certain regulations to, to, um, to curb what happened in uh, 2007, 2008, 2009. And it's an interesting point too, because a lot of people or a lot of clients you speak to, you know, you tell them what they qualify for. It's like, oh, you qualify for X amount of dollars. Let's say you qualify for $500,000. Client goes, well, I was really looking to get a million. And it's like, well, okay, so you know your income is what we're basing your qualification, lots of what your qualification is based on. It's like you make $100,000 or you make $50,000 or you make whatever. That gets you to X amount of qualification. And someone was thinking they wanted a million. But then when you phrase the question to these, to these clients, it's like, well, let's say I could do that for you, but your income didn't change your numbers suggest you can't afford it. And then people start to realize, oh, oh, so I, I can't afford this money that I actually want based on, yeah, that's how it works. And so that's what was happening in 2007, 2008. Well, no, it's actually happening well before that, about 2003, 2004, even into the 90s, when people were giving out money to people who actually couldn't afford it. And that's the same thing nowadays where people go, I was looking for more. It's like, well, your income doesn't support it. But even if it could, would you really want that amount of money when your income doesn't support it? It's like, well, no, actually I wouldn't. And so people aren't, you know, making the connection in terms of your income is how you're qualified. And it's like, you can actually only afford this amount. Would you still want it if you could get it some other way? And it's like, well, no, I wouldn't. So, well, I didn't date back as far as Jesse. That's kind of a bit of a recap of what's been going on in the mortgage, the mortgage industry. Again, some people like these strict, stringent regulations um, in place. Others don't like any of them. Just look to our neighbors to the south and what's happening down there. Um, and who knows? Maybe we're in an election year here. Maybe uh, a change of government. We'll see a bit more deregulations. Who knows? We've already seen the mortgage stress test ease off a bit in the last. Uh, a couple months, I believe it was a month, I believe it was in July, might have been June, where where it's been changed from 5.34 um, to 5.19 for the qualifying rate, the posted qualifying rate, I should say. And so who knows, maybe a change in government will, will see changes to the regulations. And that might affect housing prices as well. Uh, thanks for listening. That's our first episode. Uh, episode two coming out your way soon. Yeah, that was off the cuff. Let's do it. Bye for now.